0: So, I, um, I'm a student at uh, Pensacola Christian College, I am going into my third and hopefully final year there. Um, I'm a youth ministry major, which is uh, why well, yesterday I was definitely more excited about, you know, working with the teenagers, jumping around, you know, being crazy like a, I guess a typical American. And um, yeah, I, I absolutely love it, but today, like Josh said, I'm going to be showing more of a different side, hopefully not as loud. Um, So, who in here has ever ran a marathon? (laughs) That is about the, that's about the response I was expecting. Um, So a marathon is 42.2 kilometers that you will sign up and willingly choose to run. You will pay money to run 42 kilometers. And for whatever reason, I decided to do that. Uh, So last November, uh, I went home for a holiday. Uh, it was called Thanksgiving. I know that's more of an American holiday, but basically it's more of a, you're thankful and you get to eat a ton of food. Those are really the only two things that you need to know about the holiday. But beforehand, for whatever reason, my parents decided to sign up my entire family to run a race, it was only 5K, but we decided to run a race at 7 a.m. in the morning. And at that point, I have never ran in my entire life outside of like a few little you know, one-mile runs here and there that really meant nothing. But we ran the race, I was absolutely winded, and I was more so excited just to get to lunch. You know, I'm ready to eat, ready to eat a ton of food, kind of how we just did this past you know two hours. And it was brutal, but for whatever reason, I decided that you know, four months from then, I'm going to run a marathon. And my only goal for that was to complete the race. I didn't care if I came in first place, which I was like twice as long as the person in first place, but because of that, I had to change my entire life. I had to change my sleep schedule. I had to actually develop a sleep schedule. I had, I had to actually exercise. You know, In order to run a long distance, you have to start by running a short distance and keep running and keep running and keep running. And I also had to change my diet, which was terrible. I had to start caring about how much protein and how much carbs I got in, made sure I didn't have you know, a lot of candy, a lot of sugar, a lot of fat. And Quite frankly, I, I really don't know why I did it, but there are many times that throughout my entire course of training, that it was far more convenient or far more comfortable to, you know, hang, hang out with friends, you know, late at night and eat some, you know, trash food, you know, stay up late, sleep in, and not get my runs in just because I didn't want to. And all of those short-term, ple- pro- uh, sorry, all those short-term pleasures would have presented more of a negative and an unprepared outcome for the actual race. And fast forward all the way to March, uh, I did run the race. I finished the race. Um, Hopefully I'll never do it again. I might have to. But I did finish the race. But every single day, I was presented with a choice. Every single day, I was presented with the choice to either follow my schedule or kind of give in to my natural desires of, you know, sleeping in, not running, eating what I really just felt like eating. And in our passage, we're going to see a similar choice being presented to a group of people. Today we're going to be in Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. And uh, just provide a little bit of context while you guys are turning there, uh, Jesus Christ has just finished a long night of being captured by, uh, by the political figures of that day. And he was going in front of many different uh, political leaders, going under false trials, you know, just trying to prove that he was guilty, guilty of sin that you know, he never committed. And he, he ends up getting sent before Pontius Pilate, who questions Jesus, tries to find fault in him, but he couldn't because there was not any fault in him. So he decides to put Jesus up for a mob vote for the verdict, and that is where our story picks up in verse number six, and we're going to read all the way down to verse 15. And the Bible says, now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that he had made insurrection with them who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then I shall do unto unto him who ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out, The more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. So we see in this passage that instead of choosing Barabbas, or instead of choosing Jesus to let go, the crowd chose Barabbas. And every day we are presented with a similar choice though we're never going to be you know, in a mob vote to you know, literally crucify Jesus Christ over some, some prisoner, every single day we get to have the choice of, you know, are we going to choose Barabbas? Are we going to choose Jesus Christ? And let me propose to you that God wants you to choose him. God wants you to choose Jesus Christ, to follow Jesus Christ, and crucify Barabbas. So what is the setting? What is the context here? At this point, we're at the Passover feast, and it was a custom of that day to release a prisoner. And Pontius Pilate, you know, he did not see any fault in Jesus Christ whatsoever, but he was more willing to content the people than, you know, follow his own personal convictions. So he brought forth, you know, the worst of the worst, the worst prisoner imaginable and Jesus Christ. Those were the two options. He probably thought, you know, surely they will want to crucify Barabbas and release Jesus Christ. And he was hoping that, you know, he would be able to wipe his hands clean of the whole matter. But as we saw in our passage, that's not what happened. So it's also good to get some context of who Barabbas is. In the Bible, names have significant meaning. Nowadays, you just kind of name your children based off of, you know, what you think sounds right or maybe after a relative or just some random name that you thought was cool. But back in the Bible days, names had meaning. So Joshua, for instance, my name, Pastor Joshua's name, it means God is deliverance. Or Paul, you know, like the Apostle Paul, means small or humble. Or John, as there's, you know, seven or eight of them in here. It means graced by God. The name Barabbas literally translates to son of the father. It is Aramaic from Bar Abba. And as we know, Barabbas being son of the father, Jesus Christ is son of God the father. So in reality, it's really son of the father versus son of God the father. Everything that God creates, Satan creates a counterfeit of. We have the Holy Trinity, God the father, God the son, God the Holy Spirit. And then we have in the final days of Satan, the beast, and the false prophet. Or how about the Bible? We have the living, breathing, you know, King James version of the Bible. And Satan has made hundreds, if not thousands of, you know, different other translations of the scripture. And let's also consider our faith. Our faith, you know, Christianity, where, you know, we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins so we can get to heaven someday. And then you have any other religion that the world chooses to create. You know, some of these other religions are very sincere in it, but your level of sincerity does not matter. You can be sincerely wrong. So Barabbas was a prisoner. Barabbas was already in the Roman prison. He wasn't, you know, captured that night. But why was he in the Roman prison? Well, in our account here in Matthew chapter 15, uh, verse 7, it says, And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that he had made insurrection with them who had committed murder in the insurrection. Insurrection is like a political or civil uprising. So he's a rebel. He's a a rebel of the Roman government. And when he had his little rebellion, there were some murders committed. So he's he's a political enemy, he's a rebel, and he's a murderer. In Luke chapter 23, it talks about how he commits sedition, which is a cause of strife. And he also talks about his murders again. And then John chapter 18, verse 40, it also calls him a robber. So you know, that, those are just the stuff that we know about him. He's a political enemy, he's a rebel, he's a murderer, he causes strife, and he's a thief. And then we have Jesus Christ, who has never done anything wrong. So the governor and Pilate could not find any fault in Jesus because there wasn't any. But Pilate knew it was time to release a prisoner, so in the attempt to appease the crowd, try, probably trying to release Jesus but not being you know, on his hands, he chose Barabbas and, and Jesus as the options. But as we saw in our passage, the crowd chose Barabbas. If you guys look at verse 11, we see the first reason that the crowd may have chosen Barabbas. It says, but the chief priest moved the people that he, that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. So we see the first reason is that the chief priest moved him. The chief priest, you know, some of the high political powers of the day, they decided to persuade the entire crowd against Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ preached against what the chief priests wanted to be preached. But there's also some other motives that you know, could have been the reason why they chose Barabbas. Barabbas demanded nothing from the people. Barabbas never called them to repent. Barabbas n- never told them to, you know, to self-examine your life, to see what sins you may have deep down inside. He never told people how to live. He never said, hey, do this, hey, follow me, hey, do that. Quite frankly, Barabbas made him comfortable. Brevus was a comfortable choice. He was a convenient choice. He was the easy choice. Now, if we look at Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ commanded the people. You know, he he is God the Son. He is 100% man, 100% God. So he had every right to call, you know, tell them what to do, command them what to do, how they should live. So he opposed the political powers of the day to religious figures. He displayed that women, children and the powerless, they had value. You know, back in the Bible times, really the the rich men were the first-class citizens and everyone else was just kind of you yeah, know, just kind of there. But Jesus displayed that we should love everyone. It doesn't matter how rich or powerful they are, their gender, their age. Jesus preached to love your enemies. He preached to forgive endlessly. He preached to serve God. He preached to re- repent of your wicked ways. And because of all of this, Jesus Christ made the people uncomfortable. I mean, have you guys ever been at the end of a service or during a service where. Yeah, the preacher is preaching on a certain sin and you know that you have to make that right and you have that little tingling feeling that, you know, quite frankly, it doesn't feel good, but you know that there's something about you that you need to change. Well, that's exactly what Jesus probably did on a daily basis. I mean, he was perfect. And I want to present to you that choosing Barabbas is choosing the world. Every day you have a choice. So who who are you going to choose? Firstly, I want to I want to present to you to stop choosing Barabbas. Now, you may be thinking, you know, how in the world are we choosing Barabbas? Well, how do you talk to others? You know, when when you're in conversation, how do you speak? In uh, Ephesians 4.29, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of corrupt communication, the first thing I think of is, you know, cursing, profanity, stuff like that, which that is definitely... Corrupt communication—that should have no place in your place in your mouth. But how about inappropriate jokes? You know, the type of humor that if Pastor Manny was around, you would not be laughing at. You would not be saying. Or if Jesus Christ was standing right next to you, there's no way you would tell that joke. Or how about gossip? Gossip is, you know, such a subtle plague in the church. You know, talking behind someone's back. You know, it can be masked by so many other. You know, pl- please pray for this person. He's really struggling with this. Yeah, you know, that's just gossip. Or if we're going to be really direct, how about being cruel to one to another? Another form of corrupt communication, or just just lying. Yeah, you know, lying is something that the Bible takes very seriously. God, God has no place with lying. Don't worry, I only have like thirty more pages, so I'm going to try to get you guys out in a couple hours. Um. So, h- how do you speak to how do you speak to one another? That was a joke, by the way. I'm, I promise. <laughs> 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 that was corrupt. <laughs> now, um, And um, I had no idea what Christina's testimony was going to be today. I mean, she said it a couple months ago, but uh, one thing that I really hold dear to my heart, you know, one sin that really always bugs me, something I've always struggled with is, are you holding a grudge or bitterness towards anyone? Um, in a, the same chapter in Ephesians, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And I'm going to try to be very clear about this and I hope that I don't, you know, lead anyone astray, but when something happens to you, it is a god-given human emotion to be upset. Or maybe even to be angry to a certain degree. But those are emotions. Those are something that you're never supposed to act upon. You're not supposed to, you know, act out on anger or, you know, throw a temper tantrum. Those are emotions. But throwing said temper, temper tantrum or holding bitterness, those are actions. And one of my professors at a, a Pensacola Christian College, he once said, um, bitterness is not a right that you get to have. Um, over these past, you know, actually, I guess it's been roughly a year now. Over this past year, I've had a lot of ups and downs in my life. Um, roughly about a year ago, I don't even think the whole Australia team that we brought from America knows about this. But um, over roughly a year ago, I got engaged. I got you know, engaged to be married. And a few months after that, the person I got engaged to completely cut things off. She uh, asked to meet up one day, and five minutes later, I, I was holding a ring and never talked to her again, basically. And as you guys can probably imagine, I was very upset. You know, the woman that I thought I was supposed to marry basically said, hey, we're done. That's basically, that's literally exactly what she said. Um, <laughs> I walked away to my dorm holding a ring. I'm like, well, this is awkward. And really for the upcoming, I mean, that was in October, so from October to February, I just had this level of bitterness and hatred just slowly, slowly, probably rapidly growing towards her, her family, any mutual friends that we had, you know, that more so sided with her and stuff. And it was one of the things that was eating me alive. You know, I was hoping that, you know, if she saw how well I was doing, that she'd be like, man, what a mistake that I made. I, you know, I was just really, you know, trying to get back at her any way that I could, but without being public about it, because I, you know, my pride was still there. But in February, I, we had a, a Bible conference at our school, and the last message really talked about forgiveness. And forgiveness was something that I really thought that I did, but I really never did. After the Bible conference, I texted her, and I asked, hey, can we meet up? And we ended up taking a walk together, and I, you know, I forgave her. And as Christina said, there was a a weight lifted off my shoulders. You know, letting go of the bitterness towards someone is honestly one of the best things you can do. It doesn't matter what, you know, what has happened, what someone else has done to you. Let go of it. Forgive them. Give it to God. Um, I worked at a camp one summer. It was uh, two years ago. And we watched a video about the crucifixion. And after that video, the camp director said, there is nothing that anyone has ever done to you that is worse than what you did to Jesus Christ to put him on that cross. And every single day, Jesus Christ, chooses to forgive you and love you anyway. And that's exactly how we should be. Now, I have a couple other things that I have listed here. So I'm gonna really just kinda like, just throw it out there for you. I'm not gonna belabor it like I just did. But every time that you choose not to read your Bible on that day, you're choosing Barabbas. Every time that you decide to skip church, you're choosing Barabbas. Every time that you neglect praying, you're choosing Barabbas. Please don't choose Barabbas. Don't choose Barabbas today. Don't choose Barabbas tomorrow. Instead, choose Christ. So the real question is, how can we choose Christ? Well, firstly, if you have not accepted Christ as your your personal Lord and Savior, Change that today. Because of the people of that day, because that they chose Barabbas, because they chose to put Jesus Christ on that cross, him being the perfect man, 100% God, 100% man, who never sinned, he was crucified. He was killed on that cross, and then three days later, he rose again, conquering death. So you need to choose Christ. You need to accept Christ as your Savior. And if you've never done that before, please talk to you know Pastor Manny, Pastor Josh, or anyone else um, of the team, and you know, we'd love to help you with that. But if you are saved, if you've already done that, make God first in your life. Mat- Matthew 6, 33, it's the same chapter that we presented to um, the kids in the youth rally yesterday. In verse 33, it says, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. When you're making a decision, whether it's great or small, How do you make that decision? I mean, personally, I like to ask my friends, ask my parents. Maybe I'll ask my pastor. Not normally, but normally I'll at least ask my friends and family, and I'll think about it myself. But sometimes I forget to let God be in the equation. When we're making our decisions and we're trying to choose Christ, God should get the opinion. God should get the first opinion. You should pray about it. It's good to seek wise counsel. The Bible tells us to do that. But God should have an opinion himself. The Bible should have an opinion. Which leads into the next point. How can you choose Christ over Barabbas? Read your Bible. You know, God gave us a book. He wrote us this book, and this is how he talks to us. We can have a perfect communication with God through him talking to us through the Bible, and then we can talk to him through prayer. Reading your Bible and praying every day is a great way to be choosing Jesus Christ instead of choosing Barabbas. And then... By the way, you guys are already doing this next point. Go to church. Learn about his word. There are many things that it can be explained to you, many things that, you know, including fellowship that can really be done at the church. And then I already talked about it earlier about you know, how do you talk to one another? But in Ephesians 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So be kind one to another, be forgiving, let go of that bitterness. These are all some ways that you can choose Christ. Obviously, the Bible has a lot more to say about it, and I really don't have 30 pages of notes. But God wants you to choose him. So the question that I want to present to you guys is which son of the father do you choose? Would you be part of that crowd shouting crucify him? Are you choosing Barabbas today? Every day, you are presented with a choice. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, another opportunity where we can come to your house and worship you, learn about you, Lord. Uh, thank you for Calvary Baptist Church, and thank you for um, planting this uh, amazing church for uh, 50 years, Lord. Thank you for what they stand for. Thank you for um, e- everything that they've done for this community, Lord. And uh, please uh, be with uh, Pastor Manny and Pastor Josh as they uh, continue uh, doing what you call them to do, Lord. And uh, please be with everyone here, help them to choose you and not choose Barabbas. Help them to choose a good Christian life. Help them to put you first, Lord. And if there's anyone in here, Lord, that has not accepted you as their personal Savior, help them to change that today. Please don't give them any peace until they've done that, Lord. And uh, please just uh, bless everyone here that um, has came in a special way. Help them to get home safely, Lord. And uh, bless the rest of the mission trip that we are on. In your name I pray, amen.